My name is Bob Howard, and I'm the host of A Close Call with Death. Have you had one? I have. I've actually had 12 close calls with death, and now my ambition is to interview others that have come dangerously close to dying and yet didn't and are alive to tell us about it. What pivotal moment does someone have that causes you to look at life differently and see the real value and gift of what we have and not waste it? These interviews reveal the great luck or destiny to elude death and live on. Now, what kind of life will they have? What kind of second half are they striving for? Enjoy the show. person from Idaho. Her name is Kennedy Little Dyke. And Kennedy is 19 years old. And two years prior, she had a tragic auto accident that launched her 30 feet out of the car up onto a um, power line and um, hung there from her leg that was severely broken, a broken femur, and hung there for over an hour waiting for rescue. This story is intense. Enjoy the show. So thank you so much for being on this show, Kennedy. You're awesome. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. You bet. You bet. Hey, um, tell us a little bit about you. Tell me, you know, how old are you? Where do you live and, and uh, your family dynamics? So I am 19 years old. I live in Idaho, small town. Um, I'm actually in the process of moving to Boise, that area. We're at Idaho, or where did you grow up? So I, I guess I grew up in Melba, Idaho, so out by Boise, and then in 2017 we moved to Burley, and this is where we've been since. And now I'm moving kind of back to Boise, so back yep. to your roots. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I have three siblings. Um, I have a sister that's. 25 um and a brother that's 22 and then i have a little sister that's 12 fantastic nice mm-hmm. and parents and yep parents and every everybody just kind of lives in the burley area right uh, scattered out now so my older sister got married back in may and so they're up in rexburg because her husband's going to do doing school right now and then my brother's um in Rexburg also doing school he kind of lives here and lives there depending on when school's going or not and then yeah. obviously my little sister lives with here in Burley with my parents so what are you up to these days you're you're 19 so you're done with high school you're moving on what are you doing these days so I graduated in 2022 and I moved actually to Logan Utah for um like the school year I didn't go to Utah State but I went to Bridgerland it's like a tech school and I did school with them from like I took a little bit to get into it but I started October and um I'm still in it but I'm online right now I started online in May and I've actually really enjoyed online and I finished hopefully in January or February so that's exciting of of 24 coming up yep yep so that's fantastic. Yeah, awesome. I'm ready to be done with school. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be nice. Yeah, yeah. School is tough, and um, it's nice to kind of get that behind you and start working and uh, making yeah. money. So good for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, 
you know what? Let's go back to um, a couple of, so how long, talk to me about when this close call with death that you had, when did it happen? How long ago was it? It was about two and a half years ago. It was on May 22nd of 2021. I was 16 years old, so. 16. And um, a junior, sophomore in high school? Junior. Okay. Junior. It was like the last week of my junior year, so. Okay. The week before uh, my last week of high school, junior year of high school, so. So I understand you love soccer. And you, you even have like a nickname uh, or you use uh, kicking it, it like in your uh, email address and stuff. So you're really into soccer, right? Yeah. So uh, my family started that Instagram page for me when I was like, I think like two days into the hospital. And so they did my name as kick it Kenny and it just kind of stayed and I did my email like that. So people could correlate it with like social media stuff and. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Nice. Mm -hmm. So you let's talk about um that moment. Talk us into what happened leading up to your close call with death. Um, what you were doing at the time and and how it all went down. So um it was a Saturday and two days before. I guess I hate this part of the story because it's just like embarrassing for me, I guess. But two days before me and my boyfriend at the time had broken up and I was a 16 year old girl that was distraught. And um, for those two days, I was just like a mess. And so Saturday, um, my mom was actually going to Logan because most of my family lives in that area. And she wanted me to go with her. And I was like, I can't, I have to work, um, just go. And she was like, wanted me to go with her really badly because she just, I don't know if she had a bad feeling, but she even was going to turn the car around. Um, but I ended up going to work. And But what she did tell me was, if you're going to stay home, you need to take care of your dad because he was sick that day. Um, my dad actually is diagnosed with cancer. And so he had had radiation like a few days before, I think. Yeah. yeah. So she was like, when you get home from work, just stay home with your dad that night. And I was like, okay. Um, I ended up getting off work. I, I want to say maybe five. And my two best friends at the time had come over just to cheer me up. And as a dumb teenager, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with my friends. And so I did. And I left my dad here. I was like, I'll just check up on him like every every so often. And um, so me and my two friends, they wanted to cheer me up, like I'd said. And so we went into town and we were just hanging out, trying to get my mind off everything. And then um we have a mountain that is four miles from my house mm -hmm. and we you can go to the base of it and watch like the best sunsets you can look over the whole like valley and it's super pretty and so we were up there and we were just I don't know talking about it. Mm -hmm. and then about nine my friend in the back seat his mom had called and said that he needed to head home and so we asked her if it was okay if we went to go make crepes at their house. Um, and she said, yeah, of course. And so we're like, okay, we're going to run into town and go get ingredients for it. And then we'll be over there. But his car was at my house. And so we had to go pick that up along the way. Um, and so we started driving back. And about a mile, that car accident was a mile before 
my house and I can't remember what happened, but I started bawling again. I can't remember what triggered it, um, but something did and I started losing, well, I started losing control of the vehicle and started going off the left side of the road. And I guess little backstories are, since we live in the middle of nowhere, our roads are like more narrower and tractor or trucks were going in and out of the field. So there was dirt all over the roads. And when you're crying too, you can't see it very well. And so I overcorrected back over to the right and it was too far. And my car hit a power pole the driver's side will say, I think, hit the power pole and it took like a chunk. And so it, was it right at your door? Um, did you broadside it with the car? As yeah, you it? it was like the blinker. I like to, people get upset if I say that because they're like, that sounds dumb. But like the blinker of the driver's side door is like, it barely nicked it to the power pole and it flipped yeah. us sideways and we started flipping and rolling. And I was the first one ejected and I wasn't on the ground. Like my two friends were, I was actually suspended 30 feet up in a power line hanging by my broken leg. Okay. And so I'm going to spend some, some time on this part right here. First of all, recap, you were going down the road, dirt road, and you went out of control and you flew over and you hit this power pole brought kind of on your side, driver's side. And ejected you first. Um, so this close call with death is a horrendous auto accident that happened this night to you, resulting in in what we're going to talk about. Um, what happened to the two passengers? They got tossed also out of the car. Yeah. So then my passenger, she was the second one out, and then the boy in the back, um, he was the third one out, and. None of us had our seatbelts on. If I had my seatbelt on, it would have been questionable too if I would have lived or not. Yes. Because the frame of the car had come up on my side and they said there was a possibility I could have been decapitated. But my two friends, if they had their seatbelt on, there's a high, there's a higher chance that we they would have walked out of the accident. They would have probably had like a concussion or maybe a head injury, but they would have been most likely um, better than they were because my passenger, she had a broken neck back and pelvis and then the boy in the back he had a broken neck and pelvis oh my gosh so very severe injuries. all three of you critically injured yeah um, those two are they okay did they did they survive all their 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 injuries yeah yeah so they're both um they're both um back to normal pain-free from what i know from what um they've said um the boy actually, he played, what was it, his basketball season, his, the next year of high school, because he was a year younger than us. And so, like, he went back to sports and everything, so. Fortunate, super lucky and blessed. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So they're okay. They're alive. They're, they're rehabbing you. Mm -hmm. Now, let's, you just said you wound up. 30 feet in the air on top of the power line. Talk about how and the heck that went down. So I don't, a lot of people ask like how I got up there and I just really don't have an answer to that. But on the process of the way out, my left arm suffers a brachial plexus injury. So you have five main nerves that run your arm and three of mine um, 
were ripped from the root and the other two were stretched and my arm was basically holding on by the skin on my back it was like completely torn off almost mm -hmm. and then my Gosh. leg was snapped and hanging in front of my face on the wire if you look at the picture um and and we'll I post a picture when we put this out on social media um we'll put a picture of uh, kennedy there um the car what it looked like you now and a picture of you hanging from that telephone wire or i mean the the power line wire 30 feet yeah. but but your leg was hanging so your femur was snapped correct yeah yeah it was so when you're hanging there and your leg is broke over the top of the wire and you're hanging by that if your bone wouldn't have broke and your leg wasn't dangling over the other side of the wire, you probably would have come off the wire and fallen 30 feet down. But instead, yeah. your leg bent in half over that being broke. Did that, it's really odd. Once you look at the picture, everyone, um, you'll see exactly what, what, what we're talking about. When that leg is hanging around and you could actually, it was in front of your face, that was actually helping you stay up on that wire, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what held me on the wire for an hour, so. An hour. So here's another question I have. This is just crazy. A, a yeah. femur break, uh, I'm sure the femoral artery was probably compromised, stretched, snapped or something. How in the world did you not bleed out up there? Is it because the leg was hanging straight over and it just pinched it off or what? Yeah, so this is something that confuses a lot of people. Some people get angry about how I did not bleed out because I have pictures of that I haven't posted anywhere on social media because they are pretty gruesome. And so I should have bled out from the main artery in my arm too because nothing was holding that. And I actually got electrocuted and it cauterized it and it like it cauterized the vein so I didn't bleed out of my arm. And then my leg, the wire pinched it off. So I didn't bleed out of my leg either. Gosh, so, mighty. Yeah. You know Seriously, miracle? Don't mm -hmm. you, like how many miracles out of this whole thing do you think happened? And this. I, I don't know. It, there's so many. Like I could talk about kind of everything that happened and miss, I don't know, every podcast I've done or every interview I've done or every public speaking event I've done, it all comes differently because you remember information and then like, yeah, I don't know. It just, there's so many things that is hard to all piece together and put together and all the miracles are literally insane. You know what? I want to, I want to talk about that. And that's one thing that's cool about this show is that, um, you know, you can always talk about the miracles, the spiritual interactions, the hand of God and some of the things that happened to us, um, all these things. So as you reflect on this now, um, feel free to talk about any emotion or recollection or anything that you have so that we can share in this uh, miracle that happened to you and, and come away with a, a better understanding of exactly not only what happened and the physics of it, but also just the the really miracle that it is and and how you were saved at the same time having an accident that could have taken your life there were things that just happened that were incredible that saved your life so yeah, as you go back to this please t t tell us more about 
everything that you can uh, from that moment that that you were ejected. What did it feel like when that impact happened? The car rolled; it hit the pole. What did you do? You remember mentally anything going on at that time? No. So my memory actually like blacks out. I like I don't remember anything. Um, from when I started crying, I don't remember losing control. I don't remember anything, but my friend in the back seat, he remembers and he's, he, the best thing he can describe it is you feel like you're in a washing machine in that car, just rolling around. Um, but since I was the first one out, my memory kicks back up though, very like quick. So once I'm like settled up there, I guess within a, I mean, few seconds, I'm awake again. And I just remember it was super dark. Like, and it wasn't dark when it happened. I mean, the picture, the sun's definitely going down, but it was like almost pitch black for me. And I could tell I was upside down, super high. And I was like really confused and I started to cry. And um, I knew if I started to cry that it was over because I don't, I've never been a big crier. So I knew if I cried that I was going to die. And so, I pulled myself together and, but at the same time I was drowning in my blood that was running from my arm. It was running from my leg. It was hanging there for like, I was just, and I remember just like wiping it out of my eyes and my nose and like everywhere. Um, and I like just was up there. Um, then I like blacks out again and there's people underneath me and, um, no, that's not true. Actually, I forgot. I have this one experience that, um, I think is very like interesting. Um, so it actually came to me as a FaceTime call and it was a picture of Christ. And I don't know if you're LDS or if people watching this are LDS, but there's a picture of him. That's him reaching his hand through the water. And that was his yes. profile picture. Mm -hmm. I've seen that at the um, Desert um, store downtown Salt Lake City. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so that was his profile picture and it was a accept and a decline button, just like a, um, just like a FaceTime call or phone call or whatever it would be is normally. And I remember I started slamming the accept button with my feet and obviously I have my phone up there. This is all in my head. And I start slamming the accept button and I, you a phone only rings for so long. And so I started panicking and I started to cry because I knew that if this didn't answer, like I was just, I don't, I don't know how he didn't want me to come home. And so um, the screen end, ends up going black and I can see my reflection and I'm just like beat up. Like my face has scratches, bruised. There's, I'm just covered in blood. And I remember I started to cry again and um, I was just sad because he didn't want me to come home. Um, you didn't get and, the chance. You didn't get the chance to make a decision of going or staying here you were it's like you were supposed to stay the entire time right yeah and so um i i can fill in the blanks with things that i don't remember but people have said and so um i was the one that was calling for help because the one the girl i think she was knocked out and then when she woke up i think she was crying because you can hear it in the 911 call that she's crying in it um, and the boy was so in the field and his wrist was cut. Like I think his main artery in his hand or wrist or something was cut. And yeah. so he was trying to stop that, but then watching me, um, 
don't know, he was like, all I could think of is blood's going to rush to her head and he was stressed out. So I was the one that was calling for help, even though I didn't really know what was going on. And when people finally showed up, um, there, it was a family right across the street and a few of them went to go help the other two. And then for me, uh, the guy and his daughter were standing underneath me and they were like, what do I do? And they said that I just, I kept saying, will you please help me? Uh, I really need your help. And um, they were like, um, didn't know what to say because they're just normal people that don't have like the resources to help me. Yeah. And um, they said, I just started talking, talking to them about what I was doing that day, like just completely calm. And they were just freaked out. And oh the God. daughter, yeah, and the daughter just fell to her knees and started praying because she knew that was the only thing she could do. And the guy told my dad, um, he goes, I saw my daughter start praying. So then I fell to my knees and I started praying. And that's the first time I've prayed in 20 years because um, <laughs> of your daughter. And uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And then they yeah. ended up running and going to get a tarp to hold under me in case I fell. So. Oh, my gosh. My gosh. You know, um, was the blood rushing into your head? Did, did, did you feel like? you were completely full of blood in your face and, and but, or just it was because I was losing so much that it wasn't going to my head. It was just running out of me. Oh my gosh. Which was gross, but yeah. And then um, finally people started coming and my memory kicks back up again. And I remember hanging there still. And I looked back, I looked down and there was like tons of people like, and I was like, what are all these people doing? Like, no one's helping me. They're just watching me hang here. And like, I really didn't know what was going on either. Like, I'm confused. And so I remember like, I was kind of upset because I was like. Somebody like, get me down from here. Stop watching me because they all had their phones out. Like, oh my gosh, it's kind of sad what like society has come to because like, they just think the best thing to do is to pull their phone out when something like that, like. And just start recording instead of jumping in and helping. Yeah, there's not much they could do, but like either stay out of it and go home or like try to make yourself, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I just was kind of like, whatever. And then uh, my memory goes out again and comes back to when the firefighter EMT, whoever was on the ladder truck, bucket truck, um, and I was like, you need to get me down. And he was like, we're trying like, I'm coming and I was like I don't have much longer and he was like he's like okay okay and he's like stressed and um they finally get to me and they start putting the tourniquet on and um, my memory blacks out again probably because the pain was like awful because yeah. they said that was the only time I screamed and cried was when they put the tourniquet on and took my bone out of the wire oh my gosh and so was it a compound fracture where the bone was actually through your skin onto the wire uh, like the bone was like just completely, like I don't even. It was, yeah. I don't even yeah. know how to explain it. Um, and then my memory comes back to when I'm laying on the stretcher, still in the air, and I remember just like looking at them and saying thank you, like. And then I was like had a feeling that it was my time to go at that point. Like, God didn't want me at the beginning because it was so soon, but it was. It's been like 45 minutes to an hour at this point that. Like, I'm so tired of fighting. I've been trying for so long. And now that someone came to take care of me, like, 
oh, like it was like a relief that I didn't have to do it anymore. And yeah, so yeah. um, I closed my eyes and like I was fully thought that was the end. And it was like very peaceful feeling, which really like when you're dying it like or they felt like when you're dying, it's like a panic. Like I felt so at peace that it was my time to go. And then I remember for some reason waking up in the ambulance again and I was like, what the heck, why am I still alive? And they were still here. They were working on me and it's like right out of the movies when they're like, We're losing her, we're losing her, and like all that was all happening. And I remember again say that again. What what was that? When they like, you know, in the movies when it's like, We're losing her, we're losing her. Like that's how it like was. Yeah. And um at this point I had my intubator in, I think it's called. And so I couldn't say anything. And um, I remember looking at him again, like eyes of thank you for trying to save my life, but this is it. And oh I my. closed my eyes. Uh-huh. And little did I know that my dad was like right outside of the ambulance, um, like waiting to come in to like kiss me goodbye and give me a blessing because I told him that I wasn't going to make it to the flight to Pocatello. So. You, you told your dad that? They told my dad that. Oh, they did. They said that your daughter, like, she's not going to make it to Pocatello. You'll be lucky if she does. So oh they said you gosh, can come really? in. So they said you can come in, um, give her a blessing, tell, say your goodbyes or whatever, and then meet us there to see what happens. And then I made it. <laughs> yes, you did. Oh my gosh! So a couple of things. One, um, I, I'm really kind of amazed that you were on top of a power line off that. Why in the world were you so you you got shocked in the area around your um shoulder and your leg that carterized it? Why was it not shocking you to uh, with fourteen thousand volts or something? Why was it not shocking you? Did somebody cut the power on that line? So I would have been if I would have been getting electrocuted for like a while before they would have even been able to turn off because in order for them to come and get me, they had to turn it off. But they think that I kind of flew out of the vehicle face up and then um, the power line caught me across the neck and all here. And that's what cauterized it. And then it flipped me because you don't get electrocuted unless you're touching both wires or right. the wire yes. in the ground. So I wasn't touching both wires. I was hanging on the bottom. But originally, I think probably my leg hit the bottom wire and my top hit the top wire. And it, my gosh. But then that's why I wasn't electrocuted the whole time is because I was only on the one wire. Yeah, you were like a bird on a wire. You're just sitting there yeah. by yourself on a wire. And oh, well, so yeah. when when the um, first responder came and used the, the ladder to get up to you in the bucket, um, were they just extremely, like you said, he looked stressed. I bet he was stressed because not only you were in a life-threatening situation, you need to work quickly before you died on, uh, you know, right in front of him. But also he was working with power you know, that, that he was trying to pull you off of a high voltage wire. So all that going down, I, be, I bet complicated the situation, right? Yeah, I, they had the power off by the time they got uh, that because they wouldn't let him go up unless the power was off so that's why it took so long yeah um, is to get um the power turned off and I mean he's probably stressed too because all since we're such a small town I'm pretty sure our fire department and and they're all volunteers yeah and yeah so like it's not something that 
I don't know, they're used to probably more simpler accidents. Oh or my something. gosh, yeah. So like some you know I, I bet on two fingers, you can probably count the number of people that have been shot out of a wrecked car and land 30 feet up on a, on a power line in this whole country. Like even seasoned uh, EMTs and paramedics don't see the kind of thing often that happened to you. That, that's got to be a super shocker. So amazing work by a volunteer uh, first responder fire person. Um, you know, that that is amazing. I bet you were very grateful. Have you yeah. had a chance to talk to that person or that group of people that rescued you that night since then? Um, the family that originally came out, when I got home, he was at my house. But there were so many people at my house when I got home that, like, I couldn't talk to everyone. I said hi. I can't remember if, like, I remember talking to him, but I don't remember what we'd said or very probably, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> but one of the volunteer guys is actually in my ward. I won't get into it, but, um, yeah, I don't, not a very good interaction I don't know it, no. it was just no he told my dad that night how I deserved to die because of what I'd done with to my friends like I don't know just not a very like very interesting it's a whole story but um yeah there, there's been a few of them I met um but not like had a much of a conversation with other than that guy so yeah, yeah. well um I'll tell you what, there are a lot of people that will listen to this podcast episode that will be extremely um, uh, inspired by your survival story, that'll be ad admiring, you know, your toughness and your grit and your ability to push through, you know, and deal with the intense pain that you went through and that you're alive today to talk about this. You know, it's it's really admirable. It's amazing. Um, you're a, just an ambassador of survival. You know, you did a great job of fighting for life and no criticism should be going your direction whatsoever. You know, if anything, gosh almighty, you ought to be really, really excited and happy that, you know, you made it, you're alive and you have a whole life ahead of you to, to live. So um, people yeah. shouldn't judge you. Um, you never know when, you know, you you might lose control of a, a vehicle and, and go out of control and you did the best you could. Um, as far as not wearing your seatbelt, um, you know, that, that happened to me in one of my, uh, 12 close calls with death. I was in a crash where I didn't wear my seatbelt and I flew out of the car in a head on. And, and if I would have been seatbelted in, I'd be dead, but because I wasn't, I was thrown clear of the car and, and survived, um, and walked away from the whole thing. And so you never know why life turns out the way that it does. And yeah. uh, went through the things that you did. So, um, let me ask you this, how, what, what was the rehab? What happened, Kennedy, once they got you off, took you to the hospital, what has happened to you physically since then? So I ended up losing my leg above the knee. I don't have much of like a, of, of a leg left. Like it's pretty short um, because there was no way they could save it. And then my arm has severe, like, um, injuries on it. Like, it doesn't move very well. It's doing the best it can. Like, I had surgeries on it to help it, and the surgeries have definitely helped. Um, 
but um, yeah, ha losing a leg and the function of your arm on one side is very hard, especially with like the pain that comes with the arm because of all the nerve damage. So I have a lot of nerve pain, which so can be you, you were saying, Kennedy, that you had uh, a few nerves snap, pull loose from your spine. That's that correct? Yeah. Yep. And that's what makes your arm function or your nerves. So. So were they able to reattach those nerves to your spinal area and, and create some feeling back to your arm? They tried their best. So I can feel parts of it. Um, and the parts that I do feel are very, very like sensitive. Like, I don't know what it is. I either feel it or I, um, I either feel it very strongly or I don't feel it at all. Um, so that's kind of interesting and hard because for a while, like, and even now still like I'll run into things and have like a huge like gap like gash in my arm or hand because I you don't feel it like for the most part if it hits those numb spots you won't even realize it happened so it's it was a it was a work in progress for a while to like be cautious about like yeah what hit my arm and what didn't so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those things we take for granted, you know, the, we, we have so many sensories in our body that help us remove our hand from a hot object or a sharp object or whatever. And, and uh, when that's gone, it, you know, you have to be extra, extra careful. Um, is that, is your arm and leg that's gone on the same side or are yeah. they opposite sides of the body? They're same side. Same side. And you were really into soccer. You played soccer. You were your team captain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this put a big dent in your recreational sports life. How has that been dealing with that? Um, so I wasn't from the very beginning, I wasn't gonna let this, which is interesting because I didn't really get into this. Like I said, kind of every podcast is different, but before my accident, I really actually struggled with depression. And I wanted to commit suicide. I already had a way that I wanted to do it, like everything. So it's kind of weird how like I went from so sad and depressed to like full circle, like happy, wanted to make the best out of life. Um, and like you said, like it's interesting how a close call can like with death can make everything change. And so um, six months post accident, I saw a broken arm because um, my arm was broken like the bone and my humor or my humerus and my clavicle were broken mm -hmm. I guess I didn't say that either um but so I saw the broken arm and I went snowboarding six months post-accident I've been skiing like I've done all the sports because I wanted to prove to myself and others that I still could yeah um in the day I got my prosthetic leg and I had it the day before and the next or, so I got my prosthetic leg in the next day or then either the, the next day or the next next day was my senior senior night soccer game and obviously like I can't play in it like the regular girls could but um I was determined to figure out how to walk on this leg that I'd never walked on and um I walked out on the field and kicked the ball off for like the first or senior night um so that was a really cool experience <laughs> that's awesome yeah it's way yeah, cool I, I mean it was wobbly because I didn't know how to walk but I didn't. who does you know <laughs> my gosh and and honestly it's it's difficult for you because there's not much 
of the stub there to hold on to the prosthetic device. And so it's really yeah. kind of difficult for you with balance and everything. And you're mm -hmm. doing it. That's incredible. Um, yeah. You, uh, you know, as far as the depression topic, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially young people are just really facing a lot of anxiety and depression issues in today's world. And, and it's probably been around forever, but it seems like it's been heightened uh, in, in recent years. And um, with you feeling as sad as you were before this happened, um, do you think the, the, the extent of the trauma of what you went through is so significant, it made you focus on those things that are super important and took you out of maybe focusing on things that you had no control over that were smaller, simpler things that made you so sad that you realize, holy cow, what am I, what am I worried about? I need to move on. I'm super lucky to be let talk about your feelings there. I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what do you think has caused you to, from going from this sad girl to the strong person you are today? Um, I look back at like me before and I'm like, you're pathetic. Even though it's not true. <laughs> like I had my things that like I was sad over, but I just feel like one thing I definitely realized is social media. When par when my parents would be like, it's because social media, I'd be like, no, it's not. And every teenager thinks that like, they're like, it's not because it, it definitely is. You compare yourself to people on there all day, every day, the way they look like and the way you look like, the way their life is and what your life is. And there's like tons of different things that go into it too. But um, I don't know. And I just felt like feeling sorry for myself. And I think people that are depressed like me, and I can say this because I used to be in that point, is you become so comfortable being sad you don't know what it's like to be happy and it's so uncomfortable because it's something new and that's what I realized is you become comfortable feeling that way and you don't want anything to change because you're so used to it I don't even know if like I can explain it the way that like how I feel about it but like that's how I felt is like back then I was so comfortable being sad I didn't really want anything to change because I didn't I don't know I didn't care for it too and so for now um, I just decided that like life is so short and so like precious and like as it's a lot more it's I don't know how to explain it but life is worth a lot more than like what social media perceives or um I don't know I don't even know how to explain it I guess but um I guess I just decided to focus on like all of the miracles that did happen and that the chance I got at a second life or like a, yeah, a second life, I would say. Um, and just all the opportunities that have come with it. Obviously it's hard and it sucks sometimes. And that doesn't mean that I don't have my hard days where like, I want to cry at the fuck that this is my reality and it's not going to change. And yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. like, there's so much more to be happy about than sad about and I feel like um our generation or my generation focuses on all the negative things or things to be sad about and they don't mean to it's just how it is and hard things happen but for me I guess I've just now realized that it's an opportunity to make you stronger I guess 
you know, this, this uh, incident could have saved your life. Well, it did save your life. I mean, it, it not only did you live through it, you didn't die. God didn't take you home right now because he knows you have a lot more to do going forward. But yeah. um, you, you've really kind of like taken a different look at this. Like this is a second start, second life. Um, pre life is precious. I need to grab hold of this ring and I need to do something with it. Um, how long did that kind of take to have that little change in your attitude, Kennedy? Did it, was it immediate or did it take a little bit of time over this couple of years that, that this has transpired? When did you start really feeling like you were crawling out of the dark? It was immediate. Really? I don't, I don't understand why or how or how that even works. But yeah, it was immediate. As soon as like I woke up in the hospital, I just knew that I was supposed to push through and yeah. do it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I love that. Um Hey, I was just wondering, uh, is there anyone that really helped you get through this? Like, who, who's your support crew? What who, what sort of people around you helped you um, and, you know, come to your aid to help you get through such a hard in, uh, situation? Um, there's a group of people. Um, obviously, my family, like immediate family, and then aunts, uncles, grandparents, like all of them. I have a huge family and they all rallied together my community um and then the two that I got in the accident with but probably most importantly my parents like I was in the hospital for a full seven weeks and they really never left my side they their jobs um didn't let them work it was like nope spend time with your daughter focus on both of their jobs and so that was a huge blessing and ever since then they've just been there and have bring you close me has it made you just a closer family, closer to your parents? Yeah, yeah, it definitely has for sure. Which some of these like traumatic events either will break your family or pull them so much closer together. And luckily for our family, it was to pull like just so much closer together. So That's so cool. Well, you mentioned at the beginning that your dad had just recently um, suffered with cancer and was going through some treatments. How's he doing today? He's good. Yeah, um, it's a cancer that's not curable, but um, I mean, he's a survivor too. Yeah, you guys are survivor family. That's <laughs> maybe you'll be on Survivor someday. That's a, yeah, you never. Was actually, growing there was the above the knee. It was one of our favorite season. I was like, that is insane. One of our favorite seasons. Oh my gosh, that girl was so tough and fought through yeah. with that leg, and and uh, it, it was inspiring to the whole world you know seeing her go through that and that's that's what you're doing that's so cool i hope so um what uh would you do anything different kennedy like if you could go back and erase this entire episode you know in your life would you do that or or have you learned so much from it that that it is it has made you who you are now i wouldn't change anything really i mean it sucks and it's hard but um I feel like the path that I was going down before would have either ended in suicide or I think I would have became a very like, I don't know, I really wanted to get like, part of me really wanted to get into the partying and all of that in high school. And I think I was on the verge of getting there. Um, and as a person, I wasn't, like people that knew me 
my junior year, if you're basing that's who I was, and then if you're basing your opinion off of who I was my junior year of who I am now, like it's not even the same person because like I had friends and I was, I don't know, I was, I was kind in ways, but then at the same time, like I wasn't, I was a high schooler. High schoolers can be mean. Um, I don't know. I just like not even, not even close to the same person. The person that I've become is, I guess I'm more interested in my character than the way that I physically look or what, what how hard life is going to be because I'm pretty confident in the person that I am now before I had no clue really. Oh, that's so. incredible. That's it's, it's awesome. Um, what would you, what would you tell somebody that has, is going through something similar to, or what would you, what would you say to somebody who's really a young person that's struggling with life now um, that may uh, just be really at the bottom of their life right now and wondering whether or not they want to stay or go. What would you say to them? Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people say it, but definitely take a break from social media and constantly putting all your time into there because I feel like a lot of teenagers screen time is like a lot of hours when it doesn't need to be. Um, that and just focus on the people that you're surrounding yourself with and focus on what you're focusing on. Like, don't focus on everything little negative that's going bad in your life. Focus on what you want for your future. Focus on um, just little things that you're grateful for in your life. Um, I don't really know. I was, I was very much, um, what's the word? can't even think of the word fortunate I guess yeah. to be able yeah. to just kind of been handed I feel like this mentality of um how easily it came for me to be okay we got this like I would rather like make this experience the best way as possible because it's going to be hard no matter what being sad is hard but pushing through and making the best out of it's hard too so I do feel very grateful that um that was easy for me to pick up so I have a hard time giving people advice when for me for some reason I just I'm just kind of like um, it's easier to just set the example be yourself and if those that are struggling want to follow um, your example they can otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna try and judge them or or anything you know the last thing you would do is judge knowing your personality yeah. you're gonna judge anybody but um, you're not tr gonna try and coach them through anything unless they want to know something from you and and you've just got this tremendous amount of grit um and and did you acquire just a lot more grit going through this experience you just totally became a different Kennedy through all this so, I mean I've always been very like determined like from the time I was little I've always been that way like um I used to work for a farmer and I used to do hard work for him at like how old was I 15 maybe yeah. and um he wanted me this one time to buck um his hay bales into his trailer uh but they were all waterlogged and he was like they were only 25 pounds they were like almost 100 pound bales and at that time I was like 100 pounds yeah and I no gloves and I had shorts on and I sat there and bucked his whole field of hay because he oh my asked gosh me. and so I guess I've always kind of like been very determined and but like, 
I don't know. I just. So Kennedy, do you think that having kids work is really a good thing in today's world? That it has always been a good thing to have kids do hard things so that they can build some character and some grit in them. Yeah, I I started working at the age of twelve. Um, I the same farmer. I fed his baby cows and I would do their bottles and I did it all through the harsh winters. It was so <laughs> awful. You and you tell you did not get up at like eight or nine o'clock in the morning either. It was like crack at dawn or before, right? Um, I was in school, so it, on the weekends it was really early, and then um, nights it was it kind of spanned um but like at that age like I wasn't out going to like some of the games with my friends I was like I've got to work um and then when I got older too he was like hey you want to move my water for me and I did siphon tubes and oh my gosh know what that is because it's so like old school talk about that talk about that because I know what it is but listeners don't so talk about what that is so you kind of have your ditch of water and you've got like these pipes that are like kind of squiggly and you have to pump them in the water to get the water all the way up and then you throw them down and it like sucks the water through and can water your field and I would be up at like four or five in the morning and I'd go do all my fields and then I'd come home crash and then his phone call would be my wake up to go do them all again it was like every (laughs) two hours and I was like 14, 15 doing this. And it was the hardest work I've ever done. And then your ditch would blow out and you'd have to go d- shovel your dirt back in. And um, I had a lot of fun with it. And then again, he made me buck his hay one time. But um, I definitely think like that, I don't know, it made me like realize I needed to work for what I wanted and not everything's going to be handed to you. And I mean, if my kids had the same opportunity to go work for a farmer and work their butts off I would be like absolutely that's awesome that's exactly what I was just going to ask you is that when you're a mom and you have kids of your own are you going to have them get out there and, and uh, work in the, with a farmer in the field yeah I would rather I'm working a in a field than in the food industry industry or I don't know I feel like that doesn't shape you into a person it's just a job to get money that hard work in a farm will yes yeah absolutely and man i'll tell you what i i I grew up in wyoming and i know what it's like to stack hay um i know how to move water pipe like you're talking about all that work is just incredibly hard and um and take care of animals that that um are up you know sometimes before dawn and you have to get there and it's cold and and um and oh my gosh i know hard work and it definitely create develops character and and you have a ton of it. I was going to ask you um, another question I had on my mind is when you received this blessing from your dad, um, when you were going into the ambulance, I think, um, do you remember what that blessing was about at all? No, neither does he. He doesn't either, huh? I don't even know what I said, but but that's for those that may not know what that we're talking about um that that is a blessing by your church member that that has the ability to kind of act in you know in the presence of god to um give you a a a blessing of healing you know or or whatever of comfort and healing and and that's what you got 
And uh, you know what, between uh, what God wanted and that blessing, um, you made it. And and it's just incredible that that worked for you. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> it's pretty darn crazy. Okay, so as we draw to a close, and gosh, I tell you, I could I could just talk to you for hours, and this is so interesting to me, but I probably ought to start wrapping it up and ask you this. What's next in your life? What you know, you're not that far away from graduating from the education that you're doing. What do you want to accomplish going forward, Kennedy? So, like I said earlier, I'm moving to the Boise area, and the foundation that I do all the sports through, um, they're called Challenge Athletes Foundation, and it's for kids. There's even adults that are all part of it that either have, they all have like a different physical limitation. So if that's um, limb differences, if that's being paralyzed, um, cerebral palsy, like all these different kids, um, I'm actually going up there to do an internship with them because I wanna give other little kids hope. And I feel like they like changed my life because um, they do grants for kids that kids for prosthetic legs and stuff it's not very cheap and so for me to be able to run um we couldn't just that wasn't just pocket change to um be able to do that so it just kind of shaped my life so I would like to do that for other people and then I'd like to do the public speaking I really enjoyed doing that I've had I think I've done five in total so that's been pretty fun I would love to write a book when I'm done with school I want to get started on that and then continue social media. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as social media, um, you really feel like everyone needs to cut back on the exposure to social media that they have. How's a good way to be involved with social media in a good way? Um, my thing is that I, the reason I've been able to stay happy and be on social media at the same time is because I've stopped following people that make me feel bad about myself or make me feel jealous of what they have and what their life is like. Because as someone in my shoes, I look at all these people that are normal and I'm like, that sucks. Like I, that is so hard for me to do or I would struggle doing that. Um, so for me, follow someone that makes you feel good about yourself or someone that makes you feel inspired and that's what I feel like I've tried to make my platform as a place for people to feel like whatever struggle they're going through like you're not alone even though our struggles may look different but just because you might think mine's harder doesn't mean it is like your struggle is just as hard and so I would follow the accounts that um uplift you instead of make you feel worse absolutely Perfect. I, I love that. Um, you know, I, I hope that uh, you do write a book and, and you release that. Um, you could definitely do public speaking. People definitely would love to hear um, your point of view and, and, and your story and hear it. Um, I, I hope that those that listen to your episode on this podcast um, gain as much um, understanding of someone who's really valued life as I have. And um, that that's a gift to me for, for interviewing people like you, because um, it inspires me you know, to, you know, hear this from people that it's changed their life and they're changing other people's lives because of your experience. And I think that's most likely the reason why God did not bring you home right now, because 
he knows that you're going to be able to do a lot for for other people around you with you here. So yeah. um, I hope you continue to do that, Kennedy. That's awesome. Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we go? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I sure appreciate you being on the show and um and uh, I just hope you reach all your goals that you have. I hope you continue to work hard, you know, and, and, uh, be the person that you are, because it's, we're, the world's going to be better as a result of that. So, um, as I always say, thank you for, um, taking the time of reflection, uh, of your story and letting us be a part of your experience because becoming a part of your journey ultimately affects ours. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're the best. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Kennedy. For the ones that make me free Open up your heart and you will see Live to be proud, I made the day Somebody else to make a way You gotta live like it's the last day It's the last day